Welcome to She Shed. We are here with another episode and we've decided that we're going to share our testimonies in the episodes to come. And so tonight we're starting with Hillary. So Hillary, why don't you share your story with us and um, we'll get started. All right. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. So, you know, as Jen mentioned, you know, we were just talking and thought, hey, you know, we want you guys to get to know us and we want to get to know you. And what better way to do that is is really to talk about how we came to Christ and what God's done in our lives. Um, so I guess for me, it's kind of um, interesting. You know, I originally had come to the Lord uh, as a young kid, probably like seven or eight, you know, I was in second grade. And my mom, um, we were raised Catholic and I was in a Catholic school. Um, but my mom had, she used to sell jewelry um, for Sarah Coventry and she would do these like at-home jewelry parties. And she had gone to this jewelry party and it was run by a bunch of, you know, believers. And uh, these women just shared the gospel with her and she came to Jesus and they prayed with her and, and that changed my mom's life, you know, completely. So um, I come from a family of six kids and me and my brother Eric were the youngest. So, you know, everyone else was kind of teenage years and doing their own thing. They had part-time jobs. So me and Eric were the ones that, you know, mom was able to still direct the church. And um, so she started taking us to church uh, and that involved some bribery. Uh, you know, she and her best friend, they, she, who also had kids our age, um, told us if we went to church without a fight, that they would go to breakfast beforehand and we could pick anything out of the giant, you know, cake, <laughs> you know, cake, you know, what do you call that thing? A uh, case, if you will, and eat that for breakfast, you know? So, you know, for eight and nine year olds, that's a big deal. You know, especially those New York diner cakes. They're like five feet tall. <laughs> yeah, <it's not> <laughs> So she kind of bribed us. And so we went willingly. And um, and I just like was so moved by the Holy Spirit as a young kid. I just had a heart for God. And I had gotten saved. And I was so enthusiastic that I would like, I would go up for every altar call. So if it was like, you know, hey, are you drug addicted? I'd be up there. Hey, are you divorced? You know, even in second grade, I was like at that altar call. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just love the Lord. And, um, but then as I got older, you know, you start to get like, you know, I had a lot of conflict in my home. You know, my brothers and sisters were all kind of like the cool kids cutting class and drinking and smoking. And, and I started to kind of go down that path which was challenging because in my heart, I felt like I still loved the Lord and that we had a relationship, but I wasn't sure I wanted to really walk holy. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, just kind of being like the, the, the cool kid at school and um, started to hang out with some tough kids and started smoking at nine and getting drunk at 11 and stealing, you know, stealing for me, stealing for my friends. Cause I was kind of like, you know, the innocent based blonde haired kid that, you know, went to Catholic school that just nobody suspected, you know? So, um, but I was always really conflicted because I knew I was sinning and I knew I wasn't pleasing the Lord. Um, and so I just was like, all right, how do I navigate this? And so what I started to do, like, you know, many of us do is I started bargaining with the Lord. And, you know, by this time I'm probably about like 13 years old and I was an avid softball player you know, still am. And, uh, and we were like coming up on like a winning season and I was the pitcher. And so I just kept promising. I'm like, Lord, you know, if you let us win tonight, I won't smoke for like three months. And, and then we won. 
And then I was like, all right, if we win today, (laughs) I won't drink for a year and I won't smoke and I won't steal. And by the time we went all the way to the championships and won, I had promised off smoking, drinking and stealing until I was 15 years old, basically. (laughs) So, um, so the Lord kind of used that, um, but I still was really rebellious. And um, even as kind of some of the Sunday school teachers would tell me later when I came back to the Lord that they just felt like I was hell on wheels. You know, like I would get up and I would kind of rally the other kids and be like, what's wrong with nightclubs? You know, and we, you know, should be able to do this. And, and of course I never saw myself in that light, but apparently I was quite, you know, um, stressful for them. Um, and then finally, you know, and talk about, you know, bribery, it kind of continued through my testimony. What really brought me back to the Lord really was kind of a manipulation on my part. Um, we lived kind of far from the church we were going to about 25 minute drive. And there was this really good looking guy that got saved and he lived not far from us and often needed a ride because he didn't have a car, but he had a license. And, um, I was like, hubba hubba. (laughs) And, um, so I started going to Bible study on Wednesday because they drove him. And so that was part of my manipulation to kind of get in his face. And then I knew that there was church on Friday, that he went and that my mom didn't. And I knew him being a good Christian, he would be compelled to offer to take me if I wanted to go, you know, because I knew all the rules of the evangelical Christianity. And so I basically in front of him said, you know, mother, I very much would like to go to church on Friday. And true to form, my mom was like, well, I don't go. I stay home with your dad on Friday. And then he chimed in and said, oh, Mrs. Stork, I'd be happy to take her with me on the train. You know, and I was like, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started just going to really, you know, get in this guy's face, if you will, and, and try to start dating him. And God will use that. You know, God started to arrest me. And I would listen to the word. And I remember my pastor you know, who, you know, turned out to be one of my lifelong pastors, he just got up and he started talking about teenage suicide rates. And this is back in the eighties. And he was like, you know, you may know that you're saved, but what about your friends? Don't you have the courage to clean yourself up, serve God and throw them a life preserver. And it just hit me. You know, I was like, Hey, I know I'm saved, but I'm living in the shadows. You know, I'm being a coward really. And I'm not sharing my faith and my friends that I say I care about are suffering and dying. And, um, that I went up for that altar call. And then shortly after that, I got baptized. And once I got water baptized, I think it was just making that public statement for the Lord that everything exploded. Like I was just on fire. I was bringing my, you know, I went to a Catholic all girls school and I was just preaching the gospel. I almost got kicked out you know, for preaching the gospel, because I challenged really everything, you know, about praying to Mary and the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And, um, and I just kind of locked horns with the theology teacher at the time. Um, but I was going into Penn station and handing out tracks and God just really lit me on fire. And I really have walked with him since, which has been really a blessing, you know? So that's pretty much, you know, how the Lord kind of brought me into the kingdom and then kind of brought me back if you will you know so 
Yeah. One thing, and I don't know if I missed it or if you actually didn't mention it, but did your father go to church when your family started going? Um, no, you know, he didn't. And now fast forward, gosh, how old am I now? You know, 40 years later, and my mom still goes to church alone. You know, my dad goes to his church on occasion, but he's never really, you know, professed, you know, belief in Christ. I mean, if you ask him, he, you know, he says, I believe in God, but no, he never really was part of the picture. It was my mom always just taking us to church and she and I was the spiritual leader of your home. Correct. Yeah. My mom really was. Um, I was just thinking um, as you were sharing how, how when you came to the Lord at a young age, how you just loved God and how that was similar to myself. And, and I realized now it was because, you know, my father wasn't that. And I instantly had this love for the Lord. And I don't hear a lot of people say that about when they were little. But yeah. I think that God gives us that um, sometimes when our dads are a little bit hard, you know, yeah. like he gives us this this love for him at this young age. And even though both you and I wandered from, from the Lord, I don't think that leaves you. I don't think that love he places inside our hearts that when we're young goes away. We might let it be dim, but I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you say that because um, that's actually part of my testimony that I didn't really mention. My dad was very tough, you know, I mean, now with adult eyes, I can look back and say, okay, you know, got married at 20. You know, he since has told me that by the time, you know, we all came along, he had six kids. He was pretty much struggling financially and he was just a scared guy and, and very angry, like never said, I love you. Very, very harsh, always kind of screaming. And I had such a hardness in my heart toward him. Um, and people have asked me, how do you know God's real? And often the miracle that I cite to them when they ask me that is that when I was a little kid, I was so angry with my dad that I had this kind of just dream. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to college. I'm going to become a doctor. I am going to write him a check for every penny he spent on me. And I'm going to say, see you later, man. Wow. Because money was so important to him that I was so angry at it. Like it was always about money. It was always withholding and it was always a challenge and it was always money, money, money. And I was like, fine, you know what? I'm just going to write you a check and be done. And I tell people, I said, when God saved me, I mean, in fact, I remember one time a teacher came up to me and I was with my father and they were like, oh, is that your father? And at like nine years old, I looked her in the eye and I was like, no, he just supports the family. Because I mean, and that's pretty brazen for a kid to have yeah. made that distinction. I felt like, you know what? He supports the family, but he's not fathering me. And wow. so I had just this like iron in my soul. And when I came to Christ, that instantly melted. God just took away all of that um, anger, you know, that hostility, that bitterness. It really was a hardness. Yeah your heart towards him which is interesting you know you and i talk about generational curses or things that are passed down and your father it it sounds like your father really came from a place of fear yeah and lived in bondage of fear related to money yeah and who knows maybe that money gave him power and he forgot 
all his other duties, yeah. you know? It's, and it very much, you know, as, of course, as I got older and started to learn more about generational curses, you know, I'm probably one of the few kids in my family that have been able to really fully forgive my dad and have a relationship, a good relationship and rapport with him because of it. And, you know, I was able to dig into his stuff, you know, and there really was just a scared kid. You know, his dad gambled. And, you know, we hear the stories of kind of the, you know, the bookies coming to the door ready to crack knuckles. And my dad was the oldest. So he had to stand in and protect, you know, my mom. And then he got up at like four in the morning and had like two paper routes. And until the day he was married, he gave every portion, every dollar of his paycheck to his parents, you know, and, um, and it's interesting because I went up having a conversation with him not so long ago. And, um, and he was like, you know, I gave every penny to my parents and I was happy to do it. And he said, so when I made you kids work and didn't give you money, I felt like I was being so much more generous because I let you keep the money you earned. Wow. You know, and it's funny because we look and we're like, you never gave us anything. You did this, you know, you were miserly with this and you paid mom. You know, you know what I mean? But you realize, you know. He saw this and, and truthfully it was, it was an improvement. You know, it was more generous than what he had done, but you know, behind, you just see how, as you know, when we let these hurts and these fears stay in our lives, they do create movement. We do act out of them, you know, and his whole life was really all about, I got to just never be without, you know? You know what, I, I, you know, I don't know, because I don't know him at all, but, but this is what comes to me is he probably did not feel loved and cared for because he wasn't uh, taken care of financially. Yeah. And he probably didn't ever want his kids to feel that way. So his way of loving you was to be able to provide. Yeah. Never yeah, exactly. Choice of anything else, you know, like. I am loving them, and this is how, because my parents didn't do this for me. And that's where uh, the Lord has brought back this word for me that I shared with a friend. Like, when you don't seek healing for your wounds and um, generational curses of trauma, when you don't seek healing, the Lord's healing on that, there's residue that will come from that locked box or that closet. Like it may be shut and you may think I'm good because I don't think about it. I've detached, but the residue comes up in your everyday interactions and thoughts and, and especially your view of other people. You know, you could say something to me and I can respond because I'm, I'm have a lens of a sense on me from a pastor that has nothing to do with you, you know, but if you're healed, then you're not going to have that lens of a sense. Yeah. And I absolutely, you know, seen that and seen the fear. And then, you know, then it creates other things too in you. You know, you're like, okay, you know, like I learned at a young age, hey, if you want, you know, money, you got to drive that ship. You know, you've got to be the one that provides. And um, so that created in me, you know, in, in some ways good, you know, good fruit from the perspective of um, I'm an entrepreneur and I started my first business at 19 and and I remember I tell people the story often, kind of joking. I'm like, yeah, my first entrepreneurial effort was actually at the age of nine. I cleaned out my playroom and I typed up a price list 
for like all the chores that my brothers and sisters, you know, were assigned. And I would do, you know, their chores in exchange for their allowance, you know? And so, yeah, so a lot of times I tell the story like, ha ha, even then I was an entrepreneur. But one time, you know, when the Lord was really dealing with this area in my life, he just said, hell, you were nine years old and you cleaned out your playroom to make an office. Even, you know, like even then you were trying to figure out this provision piece, you know? And so it kind of put it in a different light. And it really took me years and years in my walk to really get to a point of trusting that Jehovah Jireh is my provider and that I can trust the Lord to lead me and to provide my needs, you know, because so much of it was, look, I got to provide, get out of the way. I got to start another business. I got to go for another revenue stream, you know, me, 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 you know, because, and, and the Lord said to me, you're not even your source. I'm your source, (laughs) you know? And that's weird because as business owners, we kind of feel like, Hey, the buck stops here. I got to be putting the shoulder to the wheel. And, and a lot of that is true, but I've switched it up. You know, now the Lord's got it, it aligned. I sit before him and he tells me, all right, he's the, here's the things that you need to do and the projects you run with. And I just obey his voice. And I say, okay, I run with that. I run with that. And then he brings the growth, yeah. you know, sometimes it's so hard for us in our natural mind to say, I don't have to put forth more effort. I have to surrender more because the Lord will bless True. our efforts when they are surrendered to him. You know, we could try to get this really big deal that's going to bring us all this money where the Lord wants us to have this relationship with this person that ends up, you know, being twice as much as the other. It just, it, it depends on what, if, if you're surrendering your time, surrendering your finances. Yeah. And, and a lot of times we have this like poverty out like mentality, like, you know, like God, God, it, you know, I mean, for Pete's sakes, you know, like Jesus was able to just pull, oh, oh, Jesus, the tax bills do. All right. Just grab that fish. Right. Like he could, if he could extract a gold coin from a fish, yes. like this is not, you know, this is a God that has, you know, endless, endless resources. And he, he could, he could just put it on someone's heart to knock on my door right now. And just write me a check or drop, you know, money, you know? So the fact that we, you know, it's almost comical now to me, you know, that I'm like, oh, I got to run in this direction and I got to run in that direction and I got to figure out how to rub two nickels together, you know? But, you know, it's been very freeing to just be like, all right, Lord, you know, you show me. And, and, you know, he's always like, hey, be diligent. You know, he always encourages me to have a strong work ethic and to be hardworking and to be smart and to learn and to do all the things that we do that make us successful. But it's not this exhausted, oh my goodness, if I'm not working 60 hours a week, I'm going to fail, which as an entrepreneur was a lie that I believed, you know, and there are seasons, God may call you to that in a season, but I've learned that most of the time God wants me in a very sacred pace where work is in its right spot, my time with him is in the right spot, and my family time. And and I gotta tell you, I mean I could I could do, you know, a whole two hours on just super natural ways that he just oh somebody just calls me. I talked to two years ago and now they need, you know, their health insurance policy. Or somebody just referred me and they're, you know, turning 65 and they're going on Medicare and blah blah blah. And it's like all of this stuff just comes out of the air. People just referring and and so many times it happens when I'm in that like little 
the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I, I agree with you. And yeah. After um, our next episode, which will be my testing, I think maybe we should do that because I have crazy stories to tell. Yeah. And there's so much I want to say, but I think we're running out of time. But I think we should share those um, those times the Lord has, has shown up because I mm-hmm. love to talk about how the Lord has blessed me in giving when I didn't feel like I had enough to do that. And how he, you know, provided another way. So I think that would be a cool, a cool episode. For yeah, for do. sure. Yeah, so amen. I, I loved hearing your your full testimony. I know there's probably more, but uh, I'm excited to see how people are blessed through through your story and how the Lord has changed your life and the things He's healed you in. Amen. So amen. Thanks, for sharing. thanks. Well, guys, if you like this episode, please share it. If you think it'll touch someone's life, share it. And uh, we'd love to hear comments on just, you know, what the Lord's done in your life. So again, thanks for tuning in and listening to She Shed Light and um, have a blessed week.